Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 29 of the 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today we hear from Erica Forensic on how to build tension and dread in thrillers. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Michelle. It's like to be here. Thank you for being on the show. Oprah, Oprah chose Erica Forensic's The River at Night as a number one pick, calling the book quote, the page-turning novel you've been waiting for, a heart-pounding debut, unquote. The New York Times book review called The Jungle, One Woman's Terrifying Journey of Survival in the Bolivian Amazon, one of summer 2019's best thrillers. Girl in Ice, published in March 2022 and set in Greenland, is a New York Times, Oprah Daily, Los Angeles Times, and Wall Street Journal's editor's pick. Her work has appeared in Salon, the Boston Globe, and National Public Radio. Erica, you've done quite a lot with these fabulous three books. They are so fun. And you've been able to also get out in the world and explore (laughs) and research. I I just absolutely love that. Erica has great stories. If you go to any of her events, when um, she shows a book event, she has great stories to tell. Um, But today, more specifically, she's going to be talking to us about building tension and dread in thrillers. And that passes on to other genres, too. So, Erica, where do you begin? Um, well, uh, I, I, I want to, I have a lot to cover. Um, uh, so I will be looking at my notes quite a lot, but you don't care. So I was thinking, I was writing these notes and thinking that I want to talk about bu- building tension and dread and thrillers, but also horror. I think horror is actually having a renaissance now is there was a big article actually in the wall street journal about it. And I want to talk about that in, in books and movies. Now I was a screenwriter. Um, and once I was director of development for a film company, so I had the opportunity to read hundreds and hundreds of scripts. Um, so I kind of have that that brain as well. And Michelle, you love horror. I you do. Love, don't you? I love I love horror, but I think but I'm disappointed by the majority of it. Absolutely, yeah. much of it is total garbage and crap. And because I mean, I love horror, but I like smart horror, and that is just you know. Um, a needle in a haystack in, in my experience. Um, yeah. So these tips are in no particular order. Okay. A mashup of film and book. So anything, anyway, I think everything should have tension and dread. I think your shopping list should have tension and dread. Okay. Um, and my argument is that every kind of book, including nonfiction benefits from more tension, not less. And it doesn't matter to the reader how you do it. They just want to feel it. They want to want to read on and they don't care why. And uh, the energy of any and every story comes from the negative. Um, And and think about that uh, and use that to your advantage. So in thrillers, you need to engage the reader's emotions. Readers want to think and feel. Uh, And this is a nice quote. I'm not sure who said this, but story is the simultaneous encounter of thought and feeling. So, and I know we've talked about this, Michelle, you've talked about um, how it's important that the reader in many genres um, only get what they absolutely must know for comprehension as the story goes on. I mean, that's definitely one way of building up tension. Um, So making the reader constantly ask why, but at the same time, do not confuse them. Right. Yeah. Um, I always think about, don't you find that annoying, like to be confused? I mean, yeah, oh. so, you know, and people are like, well, oh, I'm trying to leave it a mystery or, oh, I'm trying yeah. to I'm like, okay, we should at least know 
be clear what is happening in the scene in front of us. So like, are they on Pluto or, or are they in your living room? You know, are they, and right. so I've read some pieces that I can't tell, um, you know, and maybe and how many people are in the room and we don't need to know why. We right. don't need to know their motivations. We don't need to know how Ted and Nancy met five years ago, but we should be clear that, you know, where we are, preferably time period. So what yep. was right in front of us, we should know, but the rest of it can be kind of, as you say, I love this idea of the energy comes from the negative. So yep. kind of the, the unsaid, the, the, is that well, the what you mean by that? Well, I mean, the natural, you know, our, our natural tendency as human beings to do the least amount of work to accomplish a task. And so um, when we, but, but, the nature of life is that there are always obstacles between this least amount of energy. So we have to always, you know, find other ways to accomplish things and to, anyway, that's, that's getting somewhere else, but. Um, okay. So, so many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so pace the exposition, critical facts last. Um, many times these are secrets. Right? And just along these lines, uh, desire and anticipation are so much better than the thing of than the thing itself you know like Christmas who cares about Christmas it's you know the days before and this and the you know the sparkly lights and and, and so on so tap into the tension between the simultaneous desire to know versus not to know I feel like there's this I mean, even as writers, it's like, well, I just want to tell my story, tell my story. I don't know about you, but I just feel like, oh, no, I can't say that yet. So your reader is sort of is going along that edge as well. Um, so so interesting. let's go back to that. So first off, um, I mean, we have to in order to have tension, you have to give us something on which right. the there has to be information in something that sets the question up in the first place. And I think a lot of writers, they leave that out. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm leaving that out till later. I'm like, but you haven't even given us enough to set up the question and to set up the dread of expectation. We don't even know that Christmas exists. Right. And I'm going to talk more about that, like um, in terms of talking about the monster. Yeah. Showing yeah. the monster, not showing the monster. So, so you've heard of the ticking clocks. Well, go ahead and create that ticking clock. Um, I think that that people resist these sort of, they're almost cliches, but that, but damn it, they work, you know, um, and quick segue, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I am a committed plotter because um, I'm 64 <laughs> and time has no meaning for me. And I have done written too many, you know, sort of started as a pantser and I figured out that especially writing thrillers I don't know how you set up you know do setups and payoffs and how you withhold information and how you uh do all the things you need to do with a thriller uh without without really um plotting it and just in, de in defense of plotting not that I have to defend it but um I come up with an idea and I create, it's not even an outline. I would call it a document that includes characters, uh, character analyses, setting, anything that comes to me. I'm not restricted. And plus I do map out every scene. It takes me about four months. And I guess I wanna say quickly, cause I know you've done so many beautiful things with pantsing and plotting, but um, I think that 
thinking on a story level is incredibly difficult. And yeah. so we resist it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that overcoming that and really working on the story before you write the story for me has been, you know, a lifesaver in terms of time. Um, again, I won't setting ahead, up what, those, and that means setting up those scenes, setting up those scenes, knowing what happens, knowing how the scene turns, the, how the value changes from beginning to end. Um, but it, it, you know, I would argue that for me, plotting so-called is writing yes. is creative is very very difficult but eventually we all have to do it. i just do it in the beginning okay i want to talk about suspense suspense is curiosity plus concern so it's curiosity which is intellectual mm -hmm. plus concern which is emotional so you concern for whom so you, you you want to create a protagonist and uh, who is empathetic. You know, we, we've had the discussion of likable, not likable. And I think pretty much everyone agrees now that you want to create um, a protagonist that you, you see yourself in, obviously. So I guess, um, so there's, so um, there's no suspense, in my opinion, unless and until we care a little bit about the character. So if you open with, you know, a car blowing up, a boat blowing up with people in it, of course you care that the people are blown up, but you don't know who they are yet. Um, so fear versus dread, I think that's interesting. Can we talk about that a second? Fear yep. versus dread. Aristotle says fear is created by the expectation of evil. In fear, I believe uh, there are there are indications that we should be afraid, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. However, with dread, you know what's going to happen, and you're terrified because of it. Um, Davy uh, Snively talked about that a little bit, um, and so I want to talk a little bit about monsters. Uh, when I say monster, you could also, you know, switch that out with antagonist. And a great way to create dread is to show what the monster can do mm -hmm. first. Don't show the monster, right? That's not what I said. Show what the monster can do. Um, Jaws. Jaws uh, starts right away with sex and death. Sex and death are uh, huge parts of horror or horror elements. Do you remember the beginning of Jaws? I actually don't remember the actual beginning. I'm assuming the actual beginning. That's no, so why I watched it again because I'm a weirdo. And um, someone gets eaten. Someone gets eaten. Well, it begins with a young woman. She's being chased by a young man. She's taking her clothes off and running to the ocean. She's naked. She she jumps into the ocean and she's eaten by the shark. But you 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 never see the shark. You do not see the shark. Yeah, but you know that she's eaten, um, and so dread happens. And so, I guess my point is that you can create a, this dread lasts for the entire movie. It is just a trope in so many horror movies and even thrillers, showing what the serial killer can do, uh, showing what an antagonist can do. Um, 
it never leaves the reader until the antagonist or the, you know, the person has been, you know, apprehended. So, so that's about, that's about stakes. That's about, um, yes, thank you. Stakes. That's about consequence. Um, always thinking about, um, yeah, not the monster himself, because when they show the monster, the monster is usually much less, much less. Right. We think about um, yeah, theater, theater of the mind, you know, um, in in Jaws is a Jaws is a two hour movie and you don't see the monster. You don't see the shark until an hour and four minutes. Yeah. And you see fear, you see dread, you see, you know, thriller and horror elements. Um, and yeah. one 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 suggestion in the chat, and I think this is interesting. In the in the movie, the music contributes to the dread. Oh, hugely, There's hugely comparable in fiction. Um, and then someone else mentioned music equals interiority. Oh, I love actually, that. I actually, I actually think that's that's a huge amount because because okay, so film and television is told in the objective point of view, which means that we are hundred percent outside the characters. We don't hear what they are thinking about and what they're feeling unless they speak it. Um, and yet, and that the music can contain that fear. Um, though what's interesting, like it, in Jaws, um, it's not the interiority of the young woman because the young woman is just frolicking around um, uh, and doesn't expect anything. But I think the music contains... Uh, well, you know, they say that image is pre-linguistic. Pre and I believe that sound and perhaps also smells are pre-linguistic. Well, how can we do that on the page? Well, we can certainly create images on the page. Yes. Um, I don't think we can create music, but. <laughs> um, I, think we can. I think we can. Maybe. Because, yeah. Yes, because you can do it in your prose and in, in the rhythms of your prose. Um, you can do it in the in your sentence links. You can do it in the sound of, of the vowels that you use. If you're using Ooh, ah, o vowels can give you a kind of low cold pitch or aie vowels can give right. you a sort of squealy pitch um you actually can there is there is music in prose um, yep. so i think i think that works and so the problem is writers like oh my god now i have to pay attention to the music in my prose <laughs> and so oh, I, no. I, I actually think that that is um there are certain writers that are probably good at it and certain writers that are not good at it. And yeah. I talk classes about this sort of thing. Uh, but but there is music there. So there's there's music, there's interiority. But again, going back to this idea of we want to know and not know and working in this negative space because the music in the mm -hmm. film, um, what the audience is already expecting to happen, oh my God, they've had sex. So something terrible is going to happen. And then the, the pitch of your vowels or your language sets up an expectation. Right. Um, for I, think you're, yeah. I think you're talking, yeah, also, you know, we're talking a little bit about microtension and microtension, um, you can do that. I mean, Donald Moss talks a lot about that. Moss, M-A-A-S-S -S, in uh, 21st century fiction. He's got a whole chapter on how you can put microtension. So I'm talking about big stuff monsters, you know, the 30,000 foot view, but down to your sentences, you know, putting putting the most important thing at the end or, you know, shorter sentences, but be, being careful not to get too staccato because then you're kind of like writing a screenplay. But um, yeah, he's got great, great tips on that and really um 
it's all about conflict, right? So going into the character, what is the character's, you know, inter in interiority, in, in, uh, conflict with himself? And then, you know, you can bring that out to societal conflict and interpersonal conflict and, and so on um, to find uh, the energy of the story. Um, but I guess so, so I would say next that, um, don't be afraid to go there. And by that, I mean, what feels extreme to you is barely enough sometimes. It can be just like a, a shrug from the reader. Um, we've seen thousands of stories. We've read thousands of stories. And, and your reader is, you know, 25 IQ points smarter than you uh, because the human mind always moves faster than any, any language. So, um, now the times that I've held back, I've regretted it because um, I feel like you know I should have gone there. I should have made this made the more extreme decision. Um, so, can you give an example of um, like an ex in in one of your books? Was there an extreme decision that you made that you where you ramped it up that you were worried about, but it actually turned out working? Um, I just think in Girl and Ice, I was like, uh, you know, what should I show in there in terms of this? I wasn't going to, I'm not sure. I'm, I wasn't going. <laughs> well, there's a baby that comes out of the ice and I wasn't sure if it would be too much to have this baby be not live. Yeah. And, and then I realized, um, that's what had to happen for the story to work. And uh, so I guess that's an example of that. But um, so I don't have like too many more uh, examples of that. But so I guess. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's interesting because, um, you know, people can go big. And I yeah. think what they might be concerned about is in this curiosity and concern equation um you know okay there's there's something terrible that happens but again the reader won't be concerned about it unless unless we are unless we are curious unless um, we're curious yeah. right unless we're curious so you can go big on stuff again like mm -hmm. you know erica and i are having this quiet conversation and then you know 10 aliens come in my back door and start hacking at me you know that's that's big right but does it make sense but I mean does it yeah but it's right. not it's not it's not concerned because we haven't set up the the possibility of that right and, and um you might be curious about why does Michelle have aliens coming in her door <laughs> um, and hopefully you can relate to me but when we talk about relating to a character I do think that's why we begin Jaws with a young woman frolicking on a beach um because a lot of people have had, you know, those young days of freedom and and no consequences and innocence. Um, and and so we're actually already kind of related and we all want to be on beaches. <laughs> right. Um, so so there's that that sort of curiosity. We're already kind of there with her. Mm -hmm. um, and when we talk about relatable characters, I'm not saying that someone that looks like you or even has lived your life, but someone that has the, that same emotional, like someone that wants love, someone that wants safety, someone that wants yeah. 
So we're already kind of, you know, we're with her and we're like, oh, we want her to be safe. The, the, the protective element takes place as well. Um, so bringing yeah. all of this back. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say in terms of if you're trying to write a thriller, if you're trying to write thriller, maybe with horror elements, um, what do you love? Like what books and movies do you love? What, I mean, of course you're going to write your original stuff, but what is it that you, you love and, you know, nail five of them down and, and, and make yourself read or watch them again and say, be really specific. What do I love about this? And what of myself can I bring to it? Um, and in terms of, you know, if you have trouble like accessing dread and fear in yourself, I mean, a lot of people feel, I guess, maybe uncomfortable with that. But if you're trying to recreate it on the page, you know, we all know we have to go to uncomfortable places. Yeah. So <laughs> think of the time that you um, witnessed something that you knew you had to go, you know, do or something and you, and, and that's dread, that's fear and go and go in there and, and actually kind of re-experience it. Uh, perhaps a little bit of re-traumatization. I don't know. Um, but um, I guess that's what I do in order to create this this experience for the reader. Um, it's not always pleasant. Yeah, like in all your books, so we have a question in the chat. For someone who has never written a thriller, but has a shred of idea, is there a formula or a particular approach um, to learning how to craft a complex so when I think about your books, mm -hmm. um, I think that you set up, you particularly set up these female characters that already have, we, we learn pretty early on what their fears are. And, and these characters are already kind of broken and they're, they're bringing this kind of, you know, heavy experience with them. And, they're, and you're putting them in situations that's going to awaken those old fears and yeah. is going to force them to revisit again all of those old fears. And so I would argue that that is um, the beginnings of a complex plot is, again, understanding your character um, to the extent that we set up that curiosity. Um, you know, we set up that knowledge about the character and then the character has to answer to and it has to usually revisit those dark, uncomfortable places. And the problem is that people don't want to be, you know, they like their characters, they've developed them hopefully, and they 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 are then too nice to their characters. Or they're too right. characters. So I think that that kind of double doubleness that you've always been able to do in your books is, is really quite good. And that's the beginning, I would argue, the complex plot has a whole lot of other things in it, but understanding the character, understanding what's going to get at the character the most, and then doing it and then increasing it and escalating it, just as Erica is saying, like not backing off, not backing off. Not away. backing off. And it's not different really than, I mean, listen, you know, I use a three-act structure, structure. I'm very traditional that way. It works for me. Uh, I think the human mind responds to the three-act structure. Of course, it responds to other structures as well, but um, it's not, again, I would just immerse myself in, in, in books and movies that, that just you love and look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing on a sentence level, on a plot level. Um, and also like, don't, uh, so, you know, and as you're writing it, I guess I would just want to talk briefly about image systems. Um, image systems are sort of like in, uh, in Blade Runner, for example, um, very old, but, uh, it's full of darkness and rain and uh, just, you know, 
closed in spaces and basements and all this. And, and it, and it was really that sort of image system was interwoven with the plot and the, the characters and the darkness and so on and so forth. So, um, now image systems are very, I think, very important in thrillers. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, your setting, the weather, what is, what is, what is happening around in the story, but you'll notice in thriller and horror movies, maybe they're shot with a certain kind of lens where things look literally look darker, look more blue. Um, so right away, like you're gonna, you're watching sort of maybe a, a gothic thriller. Right away, you know that um, great stuff in the chat. I wish I could address it all. Um, right away, you know what you're in for. You know what I mean. Um, I am writing now, I'm writing this book that I was telling Michelle earlier that may kill me. So, you know, I got, I got the, the fear and dread going. <laughs> um, but um, my, this, this is a novel called The Intelligence and it's about a pissed off sentient fungus. And uh, <laughs> my, my image system is rain and, uh, Closed in spaces, underground, uh, uh, suppressed emotions, uh, that sort of feeling. So I think as you're writing your thriller or your thriller with horror elements or whatever you're writing, sometimes you 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 know right away what your image system might be. It's not something you inject per se, um, but you'll start to feel like, oh, I see. Uh, you'll almost start feeling and seeing different elements that really will contribute to the mood of your book. Um, I think that that's super important to be aware of. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting because I, I love this idea of image systems and uh, also, again, the music of language, we can go back there. This this idea, uh, I love the idea of the, the energy comes from the negative. In that way, all these things are providing um, indications of a subtext. Something is going to happen here. This is yes. This is thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, this is a difficult place. The music of the prose sets up an expectation. The difficulty of the setting sets up the, an expectation. So I think we get this a lot in film, and we'll think, well, how do I do this in fiction? And I, I just when you were talking about that, I instantly thought about I just reread the Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, which was which wow. is basically an early precursor to a lot of horror stories. Never read um, that. Gotta read that. Okay. And if you look at how she sets up the setting um, of the house and all the closed gates around the house and all the closed off spaces. And then the, the garishness of the room itself, she's actually, her husband puts in her in a room that used to be, a, I think a nursery and there's yeah. I, these bars on the windows <laughs> and the children nice. torn down some of the wallpaper. Um, you're already uncomfortable. You just want right. that woman to be like, get out of that room. <laughs> Force that guy, this is done. You know, this is not happening. Mm. So you can do it in mm. prose, but you're working with setting, you're working with the music of your prose to set up that subtext. Um, and again, that's about not showing the monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's that negative space. It's that you're showing the tail, the eye, the the hook, the, you know, in that movie Host, I think it's a horror movie. You just like see the tail of the thing, you know? Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, this is just, and your mind blows up, you know, what is that thing? Um, 
But I would recommend Donald Moss's book, Writing 21st Century Fiction, his book, The Emotional Craft of Fiction. Um, Benjamin Percy wrote a book called Thrill Me. It's great. Um, and Robert McKee. You know, I'm a Robert McKee person. Um, his seminars, stories, and he has a great horror thriller. Yeah, seminars, fabulous. That's really helped. But um, yeah, and all these writers, I think, um, like Benjamin Percy, I know that he would just eat up genre um, in terms yeah. of thrillers and horrors and would really fight back against, you know, the kind of realist uh, literary uh establishment that that was being taught to him um and say no there's a lot that we can borrow from these genres um mm -hmm. and so if you look at thrill me he he's doing that kind of he's doing both and that kind of genre mixing and bringing a lot of what's good with those genres to to literary fiction or to all to all the genres that you can get yeah um yeah. erica i think you've got you've got so much more from us but i think we're gonna have to go Oh. Hopefully we've given some negative space <laughs> to our readers. So in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Everyone, you can find our full March writing challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can subscribe there for updates. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. So Eric and I, before the show, we thought, because <laughs> we both are working on books that are going to kill us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the- Kill us the dead. It's their own. It's it's our own little horror movie that we're doing every day. Um, I'm going to get writing done today. I'm going to go back to my horror movie today and get writing done today. How about you? Are you going to get any writing done today? I'm filled with dread. My draft is due Friday. Oh God. <laughs> okay. I don't need to tap into anything other than my own reality. So. Okay. <laughs> That's. <laughs> So Erica, let's wish Erica. I did not realize that she had a deadline on Friday. Good luck with that. And everyone else, everyone else, I hope you feel the pressure of that deadline because yes, use it, use it. And on Friday, so um, everyone, you have to finish your books by Friday. That's, 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 that's,